Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to Food for Thought, where we inspire you to think and feed you knowledge that can be applied to your everyday life. I'm your host, Juan Cruz, and today we're uh, going to be doing a podcast on the difference between the 50s and today. But before we get this started, I just wanted to say to make sure that you subscribe to get um, notified of all the new episodes that come out since I don't always put them out or have a certain date of the week or time of the month that I come out with these episodes. It allows you to get notified as soon as they come up. Also, to give it a five-star rating, if you like it, share this with somebody. A lot of people have received a lot of help. I've heard a lot of great stories, so definitely give it a five-star rating and then um, what is it that you like? So when other people kind of come and check this out, they know what they're looking for. And also, if you would like to have an ad on the podcast, you can go now send an email to food, the number four, thought, and the letter J at gmail.com. So that's food, number four, thought, the letter J at gmail.com. Food for thought, J at gmail.com. And before we get it started, let's uh, do some ads for some uh beautiful spots that I'm very, very uh, happy with that I've personally tried myself and I love. And one of them is the Guilford Coffee House, which uh, me and my wife went there for our 10-year anniversary. And we kind of started off our morning from there and doing some, you know, different little trips. But it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. It's run by these uh, El Salvadorian uh, family, which shout out because uh, my family is El Salvadorian. So, uh, and, and they, did, they did such an amazing job. When you walk in, it's got this nice, uh, calming, uh, you could tell there it's a welcoming feel. And the coffee is roasted uh, by them. So most coffee places uh, don't have their special roast, and they do, and they have different ones. Sumatra, Ethiopian, Brazilian, they have a Brazilian decaf. Um, they also have some El Salvadorian and Guatemalan coffee. And I think they also sell it and it's bagged and it's beautiful. I mean, it's it's a great roast. Um, the food is also good. It's a great breakfast spot. Um, the, the ratings are amazing. You can also uh, order online and pick up. Uh, so it's nice. You can also order for delivery. Um, you can check that out online at the guilfordcoffeehouse.com. And you can also go right in and it's 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 the best service. The way it's set up, they're quick. Uh, it's 1065 Boston Post Road, Guilford, Connecticut. Um, check them out. They also have one in Madison, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so check them out. It's the Madison Coffee House and I think it's also the Guilford Coffee House. So give them a, a try whenever you get the chance. And I also wanted to do for another spot, which me and my wife love, and then it's amazing, which is On the Waterfront. Got to give a shout out to On the Waterfront. They do amazing, amazing. I mean, the plating is amazing. The food is amazing. The service is amazing. Uh, Me and my wife had gone there for a date, and they had some music playing, live music, You know, these guys who kind of do their own renditions on, you know, modern and popular, older 80s music. uh, I mean, everything, everything. It was it was beautiful. On the waterfront features a robust menu and stunning views of the Thames River. 
and it's family run by Stash and Anthony Schiavone. I think if I pronounce that right. On the Waterfront is dedicated to bringing you the best New London has to offer. And New London is a phenomenal spot. It's a very small little town, but it's beautiful. I mean, you have water views. This restaurant has the best, best, best view. Our church goes there every year for Easter. And we have this view that looks right into the river on the east side. And it has this morning sun. That, uh, you know, you... When you're there in the morning, it's just so beautiful. Also, you can go in through boat because there's a dock nearby. The rest is a nice combination of like casual elegance and features large dining room with waterfront views, a full bar and an outdoor patio. So uh, check them out. They're definitely a great place. Um, everything has been phenomenal about them. Uh, you can also go on their website on onthewaterfrontnl.com. And you could see all their platings. I mean, it's truly one of the best. Uh, one of the things that I've liked when we've gone there is the, if I pronounce this right, Zupa de Pese Fra Diabolo, which is like this nice uh, shrimp, calamari, and mussels, and clams, sauteed in the zesty, like a white sauce over linguine. We've had that one year, and it's 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 amazing so definitely give them a try whenever you get the chance now continuing on with the podcast this has been truly um in an, an interesting eye-opening experience that i've had so far because i'm not saying that the 50s were the best nor is the modern day that we're at right now it's not the best scenario that we're in um, but it's, I, I definitely, it, it, it gave me an interesting perspective checking this out. So I'm going to give you some comparisons between the fifties and our present day today. So let's say the 2020s. Okay. Cause this is all a fifties verse uh, comparison to the 2020. All right. So let's get it started. So in the fifties, in the movie theaters or in TV shows, there was the text Texaco Star Theater, okay, and the Lone Star Ranger. These were shows that were coming out. Um, and they were pretty pretty popular in those times. Um, the, the shows were pretty interesting. Uh, so that was in the 50s. In Netflix, in 2020, they have Cuties coming out, which Cuties... Um, is like exposing girls to like dance it's more than just dancing it's kind of like disturbed um uh, on netflix and and i remember me and my wife kind of passing by because we have netflix and, and we kind of had seen um you know the like if you pass by and you just kind of leave it sitting there it kind of starts the trailer automatically and I, we couldn't even look at that. It was so disturbing. It's it's so disturbing that states have sent letters to ban the movie. Those with criminal imaginations, it serves a, a, a way to normalize the view that children are sexual beings. That's disturbing. So, uh, so that's 50s to the 20s, right? On And I definitely say 50s takes it on that one. Uh, so... Now, in the 50s, television shows wouldn't show husband and wives in bed together. And 
I don't know what to really think about that um, because that's also not reality. I'm not one who believes in lying. Okay, I definitely think trying to tell the truth is 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 the best for everything. But then in 2020s, adult websites have a lot more clicks and a lot more traffic going through their websites than Netflix, Twitter, and Amazon combined. So adult websites. I don't know. Uh, I don't know in in what world we would think that adult websites would be better. And if you think that it's better, I definitely think you should take a better look at where you see life and how you view things. Um, you should definitely check out if you think that adult websites getting more traffic than Netflix, Twitter, and Amazon combined is better than the 50s not showing husband and wives together in bed, then you should listen to my podcast on uh, the dangers of pornography because it's not good. Hopefully, it gives a little bit of uh, eye-opening view. Also, in the 50s, people greeted each other when walking down the street. And they used to say hello to each other. And even... In the early 90s, it still kind of was almost there a little bit, you know, because um, we didn't have any cell phones. Uh, but in the 2020s, people are too caught up in their cell phones to even realize someone else exists, let alone talk to each other. And I think many of us have seen this uh, when you're walking in the mall. Sometimes if you see that a person is alone. Uh, you'll see them on their cell phone. You'll see people in restaurants on their cell phone. You'll see um, people walking in the street, listening to something. I mean, nobody really stops anymore to like look at the world, look at life, to look at uh, pictures, to look at the trees, to look at the skies, uh, the stars, to let their imagination run wild. You know, I, I always say, you know, uh, when a cell phone is putting thoughts in your head, that cell phone is already giving you this. You know, if, if you watch different documentaries on what the cell phones do, it's crazy. The thoughts, it, it, they, they've, they've created algorithms to, to make you be sucked in so they can feed you a thought in your head. They can feed you advertisements. Uh, you should watch The Social Dilemma on Netflix if you ever get the chance. Um, but what if what if that imagination of yours could recreate the world in some way in a better way? You don't know. So, uh, but but in the '90s, I remember being young and still seeing this a little bit. You would still see people kind of greet each other because people really didn't have cell phones. They would have a Walkman, and that's about it. But uh, everybody would kind of pass by and kind of give the hello, hi, how are you doing? You don't really see that anymore. Next one. So in the 50s, gum chewing was one of the worst problems in schools, okay? That was one of the, the biggest difficulties they had trying to uh, fix. It was the most common difficulty, gum chewing, okay? In the 2020s, kids are literally gunning down police and other kids in schools. I mean, that, that one's... That one's kind of crazy looking at that one. All right. In the 50s, people would make an effort to dress up and look nice when going to the airport. 
the 50s they did this in 2020 now it's like pjs and flip-flops everywhere i mean me and my wife when we travel with our kids when we're going on vacations we see this i mean i'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm, I'm one of them to do this i you know i we're a croc family so we buy crocs for all of our kids and ourselves and we get in Crocs, and it's the easiest thing, especially when you're going through TSA. You just slip off the Crocs, throw them in there, go through the scanner in sweatpants. Now they make you take off your belt, every metal piece you have. And if you're somebody who's all, you know, pierced up, you got to take out like nose piercings and all kinds of things. So uh, you got to take out the earrings, whatever it is that you have. And. It's difficult. So if you're just in sweats, no belt, no nothing, you just put everything in your backpack, put it across to the scanner, and you're all set. But I did see this, you know. Um, and, and, and in the 50s, the reason why a lot of people would also dress up is because back in those times, the only people who could really afford to be able to get on airplanes and fly across the country, it was People who made a little bit more money and they tended, they tend, the tendency was that they that they made a little more money and more business. So I think that was one of the reasons why, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, but they all dressed up. If you look at pictures of people in the 50s, people would dress up with suits, ties, and everything. And I think that does have a big difference, um, especially nowadays. Now we dress up. And, and how we dress up, in some sense, shows the kind of character of a person. It shows who you are. And some of you may think the way you dress doesn't make a difference. But I, I, I had put a lot of thought into this for so long um, because one of my barbers would always kind of debate this a little bit with me. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I kind of came to the conclusion that the way we dress does make a difference. Um, if, if you listen to a certain song long enough, you'll tend to like it. You'll tend to listen to that type of music. A lot of girlfriends maybe see this with their boyfriends or boyfriends with their girlfriends. You get married and you'll, you'll start to like the music that the other person likes. So much listening to it. At first you say no and then little by little it starts to grow on you a little bit. Now the same thing happens when you clothe yourself. Now immediately give you an instance if you tend to dress more business and you're going into a business let's say you're a salesperson and you're walking into a dealership to try to win over a marketing uh, or an ad you walk in there and if you're dressed with your pants down and your shirt is like two times bigger than what it's supposed to be and you're wearing a hat that says some city new york city and you're and you're rocking who knows what and you're all you know you got these big chains that dealership probably you know might not look at you all so serious but if that same man were to come in dressed up with a suit tie a three-piece suit immediately immediately uh there's already a different outlook on this man now the first man might need to work a lot harder than the second man and he might be better he might be a better salesman. I'm not saying no, so listen very closely. But that second guy won't need to put in as much effort. Now, if he's putting equal effort as the first guy, he's got almost, you know, a hand in the bag already. 
So, um, and not only that, it'll it'll also it'll also attract a certain type of person to you. You know, a business person will be most like more likely to walk up to a business person who's dressed in business clothes. A thug is more likely to go up to somebody that's dressed in thug clothes because he feels more um, like there will be more things in common with this man. So there's there's definitely the way that we dress does have a big impact. So I think the 50s definitely takes it on that one. I'm not going to lie. I wish I could dress a little bit better. Um, I would love to transition over the course of some years to more like dress, complete dress clothes. But I've kind of gotten used to like being a little bit more on the comfortable side. So definitely something I need to work on myself too. All right, getting back to the list. Now in the 50s, the typical woman was married at 20 and the typical man was married at 22. Now in the 2020s, the average woman gets married at 27 and the average man gets married at 29. Now, I think this is a big, big difference. Now, the reason, to, a few things to point out. The reason why the woman tends to get married, uh, let's say younger, or the age gap is that the woman is younger is because a woman tends to look for an older man. So that's why you're going to see that two-year difference because most women will tend to choose a man who's older because usually a man who's older is more responsible, got his head on his shoulders, is thinking a little bit better, or at least has, at least, okay, I'm not saying it's definitive, but at least that's how the woman perceives it. A woman tends to like security. She wants a man who's responsible, who's going to think about the kids, and automatically a woman thinks if they're older, it's an assumption that's made, but if they're older, they will have all these priorities set straight already. So, and I think the, the reason why the 50s and 20s, that's a seven-year gap there. The difference, I would say, in this has to be college. Because in the 50s, nobody was really going to college. This was, it was just starting to, to pop up, you know. Uh, you know, college wasn't even a big thing. If, if, if you want to know more about college, listen to my podcast on college loans. You're going to learn a lot about uh, college loans. But nobody was going to, to college around this time. It was, it was just starting to kick up a little bit. And the only reason why college just started to get big was because uh, Sputnik gets shot up into the air from the Russians in they look up and, and I mean, everybody starts to freak out because they think it's like a bomb or something. But uh, USA says to themselves, you know what? We need to, we need to get smarter people. So they started to make college affordable and, and, and these college loans started to come out. So then everybody started to get into college. And, and we see this now. A, a lot of our a lot of the parents will tend to tell a kid, finish college, finish college. Finish college first. Get through college first. And this this is something that, keep a close eye on this because I don't believe that college produces successful people in jobs. Okay? I don't believe this. I, I know very few people. I think I only know one person, 
one person that I know personally from like my close relatives and friends, I only know one person who's gone to college and he's working in his field as a doctor and he's he's a physical therapist. I know one person uh, that if you look up the numbers for colleges, the average person who goes to college and finishes college, I think 90% of people will not get a job within the first year and then only and and uh will not get a job in their respected field within the first year a lot of colleges now if you're a young person listening to the podcast be be very be very careful with this a lot of colleges suck you in and they say we we place people with uh, uh, in jobs within the first uh, within the first year, and we have a 90% success rate at that. Now, the question is, do they place them in the jobs in which they got a degree on? Because most colleges will ask students afterwards, did you get a job? Yes. It could be at a McDonald's. It could be at a Walmart. They ask them, do you have a job? Did you get a job while you were in college? Yes. Okay, boom. You're part of the, you're part of the statistic. We, we You got a job while you were in college. So be very careful with those statistics that they show you because a lot of those statistics are lies. Very few people, most people will actually switch their careers and then a lot of them will give up. And only I think 70% uh, will get a job after college and then some small amount. Look up the numbers whenever you get a chance. Just Google job placement after college. So, um, and, and then the other thing is, the reason why I think from the 50s to the 20s, so the 50s was woman was getting married at 20, the man was getting married at 22. In the 20s, the woman was getting married at 27, the man was getting, getting married at 29. I think now everybody sees marriage as an obstruction. It's, it's, it's an obstruction to their success. And I think that's another lie that's told too. Um, I, think, I think my wife has been an essential part of my success and the family's success. My wife has been a, a key point of listening to her thoughts, her views, getting two different perspectives on how my business should run, on the podcast, on on different things. Every time we've gone out to do something, it's, it's two different views. Um, sometimes I'm too quick to jump at things and she's more cautious about things. So we kind of put a perfect balance, uh, and, and I think, I think if, if if you're married, you have two people and two different views. If both people are able to listen to each other and communicate, I think it actually produces way more success. And I think I've heard this from a lot of different people too. All right, continuing on with the list. In the fifties, in the fifties, people would leave their vehicles unlocked because the crime rate was so low. In the 2020s, many who live in urban areas are deadly afraid of the civil arrests and murders happening and all the gun sales have soared to an all-time high and all of the, the, what do you call it, the riots, the craziness that's been happening in 2020 with this whole elections, um, the, the rioting that was happening, the murders, 
Um, I mean, the crime rate became crazy, uh, especially in urban cities. Uh, people are scared to leave their doors unlocked. Um, that one, I'm, I give it to the 50s. Most, I, I, I'm one who would definitely love to live in a place where there's more of their vehicles unlocked. All right. In the 50s, parents attempted to parent their children in the 2020s. They pump our kids with mind-altering drugs and send them to school so government can raise our kids and let them come home to TV, games, and technology to do the rest of our raising. This one is is crazy. I'm gonna say I'm I definitely say 50s takes that one hands down for sure. Um because nowadays we have um most most parents do this because they don't want to lose their me time so they they give the tech to the kids because if if you take away the kid's tech the kid gets curious he creates more problems and if he creates more problems then that's you have to take more time now to fix these problems or correct them in the problems now this is very important because Many of you think, oh my God, the tech keeps the kid quiet or the iPad or the iPhone or the Android or the Samsung or whatever it is that you have, the i who knows what, the i whatever. But you like it in some sense because it, it, it shuts the kid up. This is not a good thing because it's kind of important when, when you have a kid who runs around and creates these problems, you kind of teach him to stop doing that. You tell him, hey, listen. What you're doing is wrong. You you shouldn't do this. And you explain to him why. And you bring him through this process on how to learn not to do these things. He learns to gain dominion of himself. In some sense, he learns to control this impulsive behavior. And it, it, impulsiveness is not the greatest thing. You know, patience is a virtue. It's a good thing. It's it's people who make people who are patient. Um, tend to think about their decisions before they make them and then they make better decisions and and, and it produces a better success rate. Uh, people who are impulsive tend to make wrong decisions because they don't think about it, therefore it causes problems and the next thing you know, it turns into a whole problem and havoc. So um, to let the kid kind of create a little bit of a problem and a mess and for you to begin to teach him moral character begin to instill some moral character into this child is not a bad thing you learn to let him be more creative allow his imagination to start to grow you know our imagination is is amazing uh the most creative minds of the world had some of the most biggest imaginations and now we just kind of uh push it off to the side a little a little bit it's not as important you know this 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 technology kind of takes away from the imagination and um i don't think it's i i know it's not good it's definitely not good um we're, we're starting to see studies about this now you're seeing people do ted talks um saying how bad it is to to give your kids all this technology okay in the 50s baltimore was one of the m most beautiful and prosperous cities on the planet Okay, in the 2020s, Baltimore regularly makes the news 
because of all the murders that are happening and constantly occur. Damn, that one sucks. In the 50s, 78% of all the households in America contain a married couple. In the 2020s, well below 50% of the number has fallen. Okay, I think that from a Christian standpoint, this one is very important. And obviously, you understand why. So I'm not going to get too deep into that one. But from a moral standpoint, this one, a marriage is so important. From a moral standpoint, um, two people can make a promise to each other. Okay? And you can make a promise over dinner. And you could sit at dinner and say, I promise you that I'm going to be the most faithful husband in the world. Now, we make so much promises in dinner tables and dinners and who knows what. And we tend to forget a lot about these promises. If you're listening to the podcast right now, think about the last big promise that was made at a dinner table, let alone a conversation that you have. Like, think about what you said and how you said it. I mean, a lot of these promises tend to get forgotten, let alone the fact that we get married and sometimes we forget details of the marriage. But from from, from the moral standpoint, the marriage is so important because it, when you get married, the, the most important thing about the marriage is the vows that two people are making to each other, a promise that they're going to be with each other from the good times and the bad for for. Uh, for you know for uh, richer or for poorer in health and in sickness um so uh the wedding this wedding aspect becomes a memorial it allows you to remember the day that you made this promise and i think there's so much more to that because uh, from a christian standpoint i see it as the union of two people and when when two people get married you become one and when you become one um, you need two people to get married. So that means there's only one person. So who are you marrying? You're marrying uh, God. The two people are becoming one flesh to be, to now be married with God. That's how I see it from, from the Christian standpoint. And, um, and then not even that also from, from the family standpoint, uh, a child has a higher success rate with both parents that are parenting Okay, not just two parents who are just there, oblivious, you know, getting high or watching TV all day and not caring about the kid and the parent, the father's going out, uh, you know, drinking, getting high or gambling all the family's money. No, no, no. Two parents who are parenting, okay, have a higher success rate than one parent who's parenting. Okay, and I'm not saying that it's definitive, okay, because there's some moms who give their life. And kudos to them. Those moms deserve so much respect because to be a single parent, it becomes difficult. And I understand why single parents um, have so much difficulty and, and in some ways want to give up and, and, and just want to just push away this, this, this parenting situation. Because with two parents, you have one, uh, two parents helping to parent a child. Two parents bringing in income, or it could be the opposite. It could be one parent completely focusing on income and the second parent completely focusing on parenting. And, and both of them together could be doing this harmoniously. 
you know, and then when, when one wants to kind of throw in the towel, the other one says, listen, take a break, go upstairs, let me take over for a little bit. And one kind of, one of the parents give his life's, he gives his life in essence. You know, this is why I like that, the, the concept of the Christianity where Christ gives his life so that others may find their life. And, and, a, and a husband or a wife will do that. When they see the other one's tired or burnt out, they they throw in some extra time and they say, you know what, sit down, let me do the dishes. Or or the wife goes, listen, like I'm going to try to cut back on spending so that it relieves some stress on you for the bills. Uh, but it, be, it becomes this, this, this partnership. Now imagine one parent. One parent's got to do all the parenting. He's got to work 40 hours a week. He's got to probably work more than 40 hours because he's got to pay for the daycare or the babysitting that's being done. Then he's got to come home. He's got to cook. Then he's got to wash the dishes, clean the clothes, help parent, do the homework, you know, and then just to get up every day to do this all over again. This is not the easiest thing in the world. This is difficult. And and a parent sometimes just, eh, I mean, you, you'd be lying if you said to yourself that it it's not. That it doesn't happen to you, or that you want to just give up. I mean, or, or or you get tired of it. Do you do it? No. But the thoughts run through your head with how difficult things get. So, I definitely think it produces a higher success rate. And most people just don't see the importance anymore in marriage. So I think that's why the numbers went uh, from seventy eight percent of the households in America uh, containing a married couple to well below fifty percent now. So I think that's a big that's a big gap there. All right, back to the differences. In the 50s, only 5% of all babies born in the United States were born to an unmarried couple. 5% of all the babies born in the United States were born to unmarried couples. 20% about in the 2020s, I'm sorry. The 2020s about 40% of all babies will be born to unmarried couples. So that's a big gap there and i think that that has a lot to do with with our society looking for love you know we've have i broke this down in in uh love part one uh so check out that podcast to kind of understand this one a little bit more but we i think we we the reason why a lot of children are born outside of uh married couples is because two people just want to enter into a relationship and they don't think about things they don't look at the the history where this this person's family's coming from what beliefs do they have uh what moral ethics uh they've they've lived by um you know uh nowadays most people and and i hear this a lot of times in the barbershop uh but you hear people will say, um, you need to have sex to know if you love them. Like, what if it's bad? I've heard this said so many times, and that's not true. Um, because the orgasmic point that comes between two couples, is, is, it's been shown that it's a mental thing. It's not a, so much the physical, it's a mental thing that happens. So you see this... Um, uh, that a lot of people have this misconstrued idea of what a marriage should be 
that that marriage is this beautiful uh you know uh cinderella story and it's really not it's it's not even close it's two people contending it's when two people get married you're talking about two people from two different worlds your parents who 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 both thought they raised their child the right way you know i think most of us think we raise our child the right way that our way tends to be the best way and maybe you say no i don't tend to think that well most people tend to think that if you're not that then you're like a one percenter maybe you're the best human being in the world but most people tend to feel like they raised their child the right way so now you have two people who are getting married and their parents both thought they raised them the right way and they think that they have the right answers now these two people are about to collide in their worlds and one thinks life needs to be like this and the other one thinks life needs to be like that and there's going to be massive problems that happen in a marriage and when that happens one of them gets depressed you know another one cheats because they think that love was supposed to be beautiful and now love isn't beautiful so they cheated on their girl or vice versa the girl cheated on the guy because they they thought that love was supposed to be this magical thing from disneyland like you go there and a happy feeling stays in your heart for the rest of your life and that's not life so uh, i think they separate and now you have kids from different parents and now you're dealing with parents who are you know now co-parenting while married to somebody else and 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 now you have the boyfriend putting him in his ideas which he's not even the father of the child and i mean this has become so much hell so truth be told like i said in the last one there there has been a study that has shown that the highest success rate do happen within married couples so um let's see continuing on in the 1950s it says new churches were regularly being opened up in the united states in the 2020s one in every five churches will already or uh will be closing or already did close now um a lot of people see this as who cares about that and i think that this is very important because we're living in a generation right now where we look at everything and these younger generations that are coming in and i i'm going to say this even for my generation too but a lot of these generations are coming in and they want to destroy religion and the Bible immediately. Now, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. A construction worker doesn't walk into a house and just start knocking down walls. Because if he does, he could knock down a load-bearing wall which holds the weight of the roof or the second floor. Now, if he knocks down that wall, it collapses. And it starts to destroy the structure of the house. Now, for thousands of years, the moral fabric of our society has lived within religion. And now we're pulling out religion and you have these new generations that don't understand religion. So therefore, they don't like it. So they hear these things on the news of all these bad things, which nothing is perfect. And I don't claim that any religion is completely like perfect, you know, um, there's flaws in everything i think uh 
religions tend to have perfection within them and but because perfection is being run by imperfection right by a flawed human being there's bound to be flaws inside that system okay no matter what so you can never look at the human being you have to look at the concept of morality so i i say to myself that what these new generations are doing you're seeing this craziness that's happening right here right now in our modern day time you have young men uh who who don't have no morality anymore it's just uh whatever they feel whatever they think just do whatever you want uh it's we're normalizing so many things and I think it's bad. I mean, listen to my last uh, podcast where I did the kind of the moral compass of man. I mean, if, if you're an atheist, try not to see it from the religious standpoint, but see how important it is to to speak our word, right? And, and to live by our word, to to think about what we do before we say it, and then to bear the suffering for others so that others may find life. I mean... You know, Sam Harris and Jordan B. Peterson uh, had this debate on religion. And Sam Harris put up a good, a lot of good points, but Jordan Peterson kind of left them with this thought. Uh, and Sam Harris at the end kind of, you know, uh, I think in one of his podcasts, he more, he more or less kind of says like, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson left me with this thought to think, you know, that maybe, maybe religion is actually a good thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, comparing, comparing the fifties to the 2020s, uh, it's definitely, um, a, a big, big, big difference. Uh, continuing on, it says the fifties children would go outside and play. Okay. In the 2020s, parks and playgrounds are empty and have the, and in America, we have the highest childhood obesity in the industrialized world that's crazy um definitely the 50s takes it on that one the 50s front porches were a community gathering place and people would have their neighbors over in the 2020s we don't even know our neighbors at all and most americans watch about five hours of television a day I'm not going to lie. Back in the day, I kind of used to be like that. Uh, not as much anymore. Not even close to that. In the 1950s, people used words such as knucklehead and moxie. You want a knuckle sandwich? That's what people used to say back in the 50s. In the 2020s, words such as nomophobia, social distancing, and safe places exist. I think that one is, mm, I don't know, a little bit debatable. I'd have to bring up, I can. I think I can make a whole podcast on that one, on our words. In the 50s, the very first credit card was issued in the United States. In the 2020s, $930 billion or more uh, of Americans owe on their credit card. So that's a lot of money. Holy moly. In the 1950s, one income could support an entire middle-class household. 
in the 2020s, millions of Americans have lost their jobs and filed for unemployment and more than half of a thousand, uh, half of households and incomes in America are facing serious financial problems. My wife is from St. Anna, California. In California, you have to have like three people to pay for a mortgage out there. I mean, it's ridiculous how crazy that market is. Um, I mean, just to have like a little studio, it's like a thousand some odd dollars, you know, like 500 square feet. I mean, maybe $1,400 over there. That's ridiculous. In the 1950s, socialist and communist communism were our greatest national enemies. That's crazy. In, in the 2020s, most Congress in the United States have embraced socialist and communist politics. That one is crazy because... You know, uh, Mark, Marx, uh, Karl Marx uh, is is the creator of like Marxism, and it's kind of like communist uh, communism and socialism. It's it's they're both they're they're similar in some way, but a little bit different. But overall, the outline of things they're exactly the same, really. And um, Karl Marx, they they made a city. It was like it was it was supposed to be the city that that showed and perfected uh, Marxism, communism, right? It was supposed to perfect it, equality everywhere. They don't even talk about this city. You have to go and search for this city. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can if I can put this city up there. Uh, let me let me Google it real quick. The name of the city is uh, Chemnitz. That's what it is. And if you, you look up, they made this city to be like the most exemplary city and it fails. It just bombs. Um, so it was just to show like everybody always says, you know, uh, you know, communism was never done the right way. It was never or, or Marxism or the socialist. It just hasn't been applied the right way. It was applied the right way and it failed. It failed massively because the problem is, is. With communism, socialism, Marxism, everybody needs to be like the most virtuous person in the world for this to work. And the truth is the world is filled with evil people and all it takes is corrupt it all. So that's the truth. All right. In the 50s, our constitution was highly revered. It was looked at as such a good thing. In the 2020s, anyone who considers himself a constitutionalist is considered a terrorist. That's nuts. In the 1950s, most Americans were generally happy with their lives. In the 2020s, suicide rate is at an all-time record high and has been rising more rapidly since 2007. You can see this on the social dilemma I don't know if it's technology. I think it's more than technology uh, because it's been rising since the 50s. Um, I think it has a lot to do uh, with uh, each person wanting to find happiness for himself first. Everyone needs to love me first. You know, it's the self-gratification 
we put ourselves first. I mean, there used to be a sense of community. People used to kind of go out and bring pies to each other. And very few communities do this anymore. Somebody moves in, nobody cares. Strangers, you don't, you don't want to go up to them and greet them and say hi. Um, but what changed? What changed from the 50s to the 2020s? I mean, life, I'm not saying everything was perfect in the 50s. You still, you had racism going on. And it was really, really bad back then. Um, and then you had also, we, we were very oblivious to uh, children being abused too. That's another thing that was happening bad in the 50s, I'd say. But, uh, you know, parents who used to let their kids to go to the park, you know, and by themselves because the world was, I guess, in some way more naive to these things, to these truths. But... What happened? What changed? Uh, I, I think most of it comes from the misconception that happiness comes from being loved instead of loving the other. You know, a lot of these things uh, tends to be on love me, love me, love me. I think a, a lot of these problems that I said from the 50s to the 2020s. So that's pretty much the... 50s compared to the 2020s so hope you liked the comparison you know um see what your thoughts are and then hopefully this put a little bit of thoughts in in you to kind of see what maybe is happening in your family that maybe you could change a little bit happening in your relationship but once again, don't forget to subscribe so you can get notified for all the episodes that come out since I don't put them out every week or every month. I kind of don't even know how I do these myself. And then rate it a five star. Uh, I'm going to start doing soon actually a giveaway. So if you start rating five star, we're going to do a $100 giveaway on a Visa gift card. And we're going to be seeing what five stars we're going to choose randomly one person who rated it five star and we'll do the gift card giveaway. So we'll wait. I'd, I'll say let's wait till we get to 30 reviews of five star, 35 star reviews. And then we'll choose one of those and we'll do a giveaway. So you, um, we also have the food for thought J at gmail.com. So if you would like to place an ad on the podcast and you're interested, definitely uh, send an email. So it's food, the number four, and then thought j at gmail.com now don't forget check out the guilford coffee house great coffee uh they roast their own stuff it's an el salvadorian family that manages it and runs it it's so beautiful um you could tell it's a welcoming as soon as you walk in you feel very welcomed in there um and then also of course on the waterfront uh in new london beautiful restaurant i mean uh you look them uh, their reviews up on Google. It's a 4.5 with lots of reviews. I mean, it's phenomenal. It, you have a waterfront view. If you're trying to take your wife or husband out on a date, on a dinner date, and dates are very important, so take them to this restaurant. If you're nearby in New London, if you're living anywhere in Connecticut, drive down here just to come to this restaurant. It's beautiful. You can make a date out on the beach on Ocean Beach after the restaurant walk through the beach with your feet in the sand and enjoy a nice couple's date so definitely check those spots out um 
and hope that um, this has helped you out in some way. God bless.